Thank you, Ella. And thank you to all the youth leaders and youth pastors and everyone who's supported our young people getting to Easter camp and uh, having their lives change. You know, just our lives are in a constant process of change, aren't they? And, and it's, um, we can either be moving from positive encounter to positive encounter or just, you know, doing life and we're, we're, wherever we're going, we're either moving up into him or away from him. And so these sorts of events for young people are just so powerful um, and so we just so appreciate, you know, the heart that you guys have for our youth in Rangiora. And um, it's our, you know, it's, it's one of those ancient boundary stones for our church here um, that we love young people. <laughs> we are here to uh, reach and minister to young people, um, to every generation, but specifically um, we're on assignment for the next generation. Uh, so... And God's got big plans. You know, you go to Easter camp and there's sort of two and a half thousand people there and you're like, man, God has got a big kingdom and he's doing big things and he wants to use each one of us to do something and be someone significant for him. Like, I think that's one of the, um, one of the massive battles in our culture and, and being a Christian in this time and space is actually, as a church and as believers, we can so feel like we're on the back foot. Uh, but yet the kingdom of God is advancing, the Bible says. And it says the violent even take a hold of it by force. It suffers violence and, and the violent, it's kind of like this, it's a double-edged sword where it's like there's a battle. You know, there's a battle. Sometimes we can take a step forward, then we're like hit, then we're going to step forward again. And there's, a, there's this, the kingdom actually demands an assertiveness out of us to, um, to see it expand through our lives. Uh, we can't actually be passive believers um, we have to engage with this, with our with our spirit and the word, and to to step on and forward in our faith, to fight the good fight of faith. You know, to, there is actually a as, there's a battle for your faith, and there's a battle for your family's faith, and for the legacy that's going to flow from you. But you know, I've read the end of the Bible. And, and it's called the book of Revelation, and it's not the revelation of the beast, and it's actually the revelation of Jesus Christ coming in to cover the earth, you know, like the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as, as the glory, as the waters cover the sea, something like that. And um, so you're a part of a big kingdom, an overcoming kingdom, and we're, we are, we're in this together and just look around the room. It's amazing. We're in the, the amazing presence of the family of God, the priesthood of believers, your mighty ones, your chosen ones. If you could see yourself in your spirit, you know, God is, he, you know, there's a helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of readiness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. There's a sense of call to actually engage with the spirit realm that is powerful, that you're, you're a powerful person. You're not, a, you're not a, just a, a dirty, rotten sinner. <laughs> you're a saint. 
You're a saint, you know, and I guess the old Catholic Church kind of like took this idea of a saint that, you know, you you had to be dead, you had to have uh, raised some people from the dead, you had to have this idea that, you know, this kind of lofty ideal that a saint was someone super transcendent from what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but actually we're saints. You're, how about you just turn to your neighbor, just to remind them they're a saint. Even though I heard you swearing on the way to church this morning. No. Uh, no. You're a saint. You are a chosen people. You are righteous. Um, we're a part of a big kingdom. Actually, I want to just share this. Um, like We're a part of the New Life family. We've seen this morning, and we took up a... Um, a missional offering for the cyclone relief, actually, um, for a cyclone, Gabriel, um, a couple of months ago. And now within our movement, actually, $93,000 has been raised. Um, and so on Wednesday this week, uh, New Life gave $20,000 to uh, the meeting place, which is in uh, the Napier kind of region. And that was um, basically to uh, a community facility that they own, that the community comes into, and they had major damage in their, um, in their building. The basement, actually, I think we've got a photo, um, that's actually down to their basement. Um, and I would have liked to show you a video that was sent, but it's too hard to make all that happen. Um, and, but this here was full to the brim with water. There's still about 10 centimetres of water and silt in there. They've got uh, the water pumps, uh, pumps broken. They've got no running water in the building. And so we're going to be able to give, you know, $20,000 as a movement towards this church and community centre. So give yourselves a clap and, and just that God's, you know, using our, our church family to do something awesome. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Has anyone heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He was um, a fiery uh, evangelist. He was actually a plumber that turned uh, evangelist. And he came through New Zealand actually around 100 years ago. He went through um, any plumbers in here that are going to become fiery evangelists? Maybe, uh, maybe JT. I don't know. We'll see. Um, anyway, he came to New Zealand and Australia about a hundred years ago. He travelled the globe. He had um, he had this incredible ministry where um, he actually saw people raised from the dead. He was actually quite aggressive in the way that he would minister. He would stand dead people up against the wall, and they'll fall over, and he'd stand them up again, and they would fall over. And then there's, you can read there's actually a great website. Smith Wigglesworth. It's like a, a library, really, of his, his um, uh, you know, the kingdom's exploits through his life. He also, um, so he's real dynamic, right? Uh, he was also moved in the prophetic. He wasn't actually, he didn't have the office of a prophet, but when he came into New Zealand and Australia, he had this incredible word about um, the end time harvest would start in Australia and the islands surrounding Australia. And some say that he said New Zealand, some say he didn't, but we'll just take it uh, because that's awesome. Um, but he also had this other word uh, that I think he gave in the UK, but it was around the global church. And I just want to read this word here because I guess we're closer towards the, you know, the, the coming of Jesus uh, than, than we were when, you know, when, when Jesus came the first time. And so it's good to remember that Jesus is coming again, and there, there is a, a climax for what he's doing on the world. And so about a hundred years ago, um, Smith gave this word, and he said, when the new church phase is on the wane, there'll be evidence 
in the churches of something that has not been seen before. And it's interesting just that, just to note that when the new church phase is on the wane, and um, and and so it's it's shrinking. And even since 2020, I heard the stat when we were in a conference in Australia. I don't know where the source of the stat is, but it seems to be true from some of my observations that since 2020, 76% of churches globally have ex- experienced lower attendance. So anyway, like maybe this is kind of the, the, the time for this, this wane. Anyway, sorry, I keep saying wane and thinking of you, Wayne. Um, you're not on the wane. More Lord. Uh, anyway, so when the church is diminishing, a coming together of those with an emphasis on the Word and those with an emphasis on the Spirit. When the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nations and indeed the world has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has been witnessed within these shores, even the Wesleyan and the Welsh revivals of former years. Oh, that's going to be glorious. The outpouring of God's Spirit will flow over from the United Kingdom to the mainland of Europe, and from there will begin a missionary move to the ends of the earth. Isn't that incredible? It's just amazing to honor, to be able to honor one of these um, prophetic words from a hundred years ago, but there's an emphasis there, and I think we, ha- we, we need to grasp this emphasis even now, that something incredible happens when there is unity and a coming together of both the Word and the Spirit, the Word and the Spirit, and I just want to bring a couple of key scriptures this morning, just before we go on to the sort of second part of my message today. It says this in John 7, and we're going to dive back into, um, um, <laughs> sorry, just saw a message from Aisha. That's funny. <laughs> she said that she drove uh, to church with me this morning and she didn't swear. Uh, <laughs> John 7, 37. It's true she didn't. I just want to confess to that. Um, attest to that, sorry. Not confess, because I didn't swear either. Um, <laughs> sorry. Verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has says, rivers of living waters will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later um, to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The second um, passage I just want to share this morning is from John 1 verse 1. It's incredible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. This is Jesus now, if you're wondering, who was that guy? In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Then verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is Jesus. 
who, who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That You know, if you need a word from God here this morning, I want to encourage you just to open up the Word, to open up the Bible and to start with the Word of God. And, you know, in the synagogues in ancient times, when the, when the, when the um, scrolls, I guess, were open or the tablets were brought out, you know, the people would stand and cheer when the Word of God was open and the Word of God was read as they read the living Word of God. And, and Jesus, and even in these two examples of, of Jesus becoming rivers of living water as we believe in Him and as He is the Word, Jesus is this perfect and demonstration, example and demonstration of, of what the Word and the Spirit can look like in the body of a man because Jesus was also a man. He said, believe in me as the Scripture says, and streams of, or rivers of living waters shall flow. The Bible should always lead us to become more like its author. Jesus, the living word. And if you're reading the Bible and if you're becoming more skeptical, more unbelieving, more judgmental, more critical, more religious, you're reading the Bible wrong. The Bible connects us with the living person of Jesus Christ that then transforms us and translates us into the likeness of His Son, into the likeness of Jesus, full of grace and mercy, 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 <laughs> mercy, mercy, help me, full of <laughs> holiness, becoming more discerning. Jesus is the perfect example of the living word of God. And, you know, back in the 70s, um, in late 60s, it was this time of experimental um, living. You know, it was like the hippie move, like peace, bro. That's when, like, culturally, like, there were these options that had, you know, that people were experimenting that they'd never experimented so overtly before, perhaps hidden, but suddenly things started getting celebrated that were more overt, um, covert. And, you know, there was, that's when homosexuality started being a little bit more celebrated. Then drugs were kind of like, woo. Um, they, were, they were a thing, like these big festivals like Woodstock. And it's like suddenly there's this, and it was almost framed as a love revolution, like a love, a movement of love because it was like free, man. We have free choice. You know, all this just like whatever you do, you know, truth becomes your kind of like your own narrative. And whatever's true for you, you could just become that truth. And now in 2023, it's not like that, but it is. It's now this experimental brokenness of what truth could be is actually becoming part of the secular system and it's embraced as actually being true. And actually, if you stand against that, you're actually a bigot and a hater. <laughs> It is sad. And it's kind of like this, you know, we live, we, like I said at the start, we, the church, heck, who, what, who are we in light of that now? 
What does our voice count for in light of this great kind of wave that is coming against the church? And this is a time of high contrast where the light is going to need to shine brighter because the darkness has just got a whole lot darkness. There's not grey. And the church can't be grey anymore. And this is a time, though, that the doors of the church need to be open to everyone. To everyone. The standard that comes from the church and through the church is still the spirit and truth. We don't change the standard, but our hearts and our lives are open to everyone. To serve and love and minister and not condemn. Come on. We need the Word and the Spirit. We need to know the Word, but we need to be a life bringer and a life giver. I love this thing that Winky Prattney said. He said, if it's all Word and no Spirit, you'll dry up. All Spirit, you'll blow up. But if it's both Word and Spirit, you'll grow up. It's not either. It is both Word and Spirit. And, you know, without the power of the Word and the Spirit, we, we, we could end up being just like another one of those old churches that you see being renovated into a winery or some kind of like luxurious B&B on, on, on some TV program. Like we need to, we need, we don't want to be shrinking back. We want to be expanding. We want to, be, we want to have more one service Sundays and move the stage back and put another door over there and, and make some more room in this place. You too can give. <laughs> uh, wasn't in my notes. So the disciples, they, um, they, were with, they were with the living word for three years. And you kind of think that would be enough, right? That would be enough. That this intense discipleship program that hanging out every day, being challenged like by him would be enough. But he said, I must go so that he, the spirit, could come in John 16. And he said, you know, he said later on, he said, hey, you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that you carry was never meant to be a powerless gospel. And I just want to give you an example. I really feel like I'm pushed the time out today, but we're all good, eh? We're good? Just, okay. Um, it's just one service, sweet. Um, I... <laughs> Truth be told, I'm just getting started. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, don't worry. I, um, I want to give you an overview just in this part of what's going on in John 7 for Jesus to make this massive statement, if you believe in me, streams of living water will flow from you. Because I've always been, like I've done business and I had this statement that I carried with me and I was like, I'm not going to under-promise and over-deliver. Uh, no, I'm going to under-promise and over-deliver. I'm not going to over-promise and under-deliver. Like, that's something really easy to do in life, and it's easy to still do as a pastor. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll catch up, we'll catch up, I'll see you, and we'll, I'll, I'll call you. And it's like, it's really, you should never do that if you're not going to do that, right? So we've got to make sure that we're true to our word. And when I read this, and I think of Jesus' words and who he says he is, and, you know, C.S. Lewis said something like that he was either, um, he, with his claims that he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he's, a, or he's Lord. 
And is, you just can't, you can't put it into any other thing. You know, he's actually got to be one of those three. And I'm like, well, I'm choosing the Lord. So therefore, if he's Lord, and if he says streams of living waters will flow from me, I'm like, if I've just got a trickle going, I, I don't, where's my stream? And I was down the river praying earlier this week, and I just was wrestling through this, um, just this thought of, of the, this abundance that Jesus promises to have flowing through our lives as believers. Um, you know, and, I, and this is almost like as a personal statement to us personally, not to a corporate body. Like, oh yeah, as a big group of people, we could have like, you know, the WiMAC throwing from, flowing from Thrive, like in flood. But together, we're, uh, and separately, we're meant to also just have a, we're meant to actually personally have a river that actually comes through our lives according to what Jesus said, if we believe in him. So this was, you know, I was just perplexed by this um, earlier this week. And so I did a bit of research and like, why did he say this? And when did he say this? And so he said this actually in the last day, this scripture starts um, by saying that, that he was, he went to the Feast of the Tabernacle. So he said this on the last day of this feast. And now this is in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. And this feast, it marked the harvest um, and, and the time of thanksgiving of God's mighty works during the years that people wandered through the wilderness. So, that, oh, this is what the Feast of the Tabernacles and Tabernacles is some kind of little tent. And they would all like get in tents together and be like, woohoo, let's party in tents for a week like Easter camp. And so they were, this was, it was specifically, and it was an invitation to the whole family. Like all families would come to this party, to this event. And I want to use the word party because it really was a celebration. And, and in verse, uh, so John 7 verse 10, we actually see that Jesus was keen to attend this feast of the tabernacles and that he had rejoiced in the na nation's celebrations. And uh, he was like, yeah, this is Canterbury anniversary weekend. Let's go. And so he was there and um, it was about six months before his death and crucifixion, just to bring you, um, which was the Passover, another festival. So every morning during this feast, there was a procession Everyone go on this pilgrimage procession to this fountain of Gihon, I think it is, or Gihon, which supplied the water for, for the pool of Siloam. Yes. And so I've got a picture of this. We got that up there. And this here is a still functioning water system in Jerusalem today. And so um, um, so what happened was that when they got to this this um, this fountain here, that the priests would actually full, fill a golden jug with water as the choir, they had a choir, like the band was there. And um, they would sing um, something from Isaiah uh, 12, verse 3, specifically. Look it up in your Bibles. It says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So they were singing this, and there was, they did more. I'm just giving you a really brief overview, but it's fascinating. And then the crowd would make its way to the temple carrying branches in the right hand, reminding them of the huts that they constructed in the wilderness. <laughs> and then in their left hand, they would actually carry a, lim a lemon or, uh, or citron, which is a sort of another kind of lemon fruit, as a sign of the harvest. So they're carrying with them like the symbolism of what God has done for them. And then on the seventh day, the crowd walked around the altar seven times to celebrate God's gift of water when Moses struck the rock in the wilderness um, at Meribah. So this is cool. 
Like, you can see what's happening here. And then following the singing and all the celebration, there was this silence that then would descend upon the sanctuary, and the people felt, this is cool, they felt and they listened to the wind. They, were, they reflected on the significance of the water ritual, and they, they were expressing a desire for personal spiritual refreshment at that time, and that, that only God's Spirit could satisfy their thirsty souls. And so this is amazing. And scholars believe that it's at this moment, in the middle of this celebration, that Jesus stood and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Isn't that amazing? I feel emotional talking about that because it's just so so deep and profound. And we don't just drink from a rock. We don't just drink from a tap. We, we receive living waters. If Jesus says who he is, this is the eternal waters of salvation. And Jesus offers this His message to his followers is strong and it is clear. He's not making a vague kind of parable here that you've really got to kind of like, oh, it's a really mean loving water. He's like, no, this is, I'm being straight up to everyone listening here. Come and drink. Come to me and drink. And he's speaking of himself as as water and and, and the rock being struck is like him being struck actually in the coming months as, as the sacrificial lamb. That when he was struck, that rivers of living waters would flow from their, those who believe and they would never thirst again. And as I was thinking about all this Early in the week is, if I believe in Jesus, as the scripture says, and if my whole self and life is invested in Christ as, as, a, as, as, as He is my primary source of incoming, for every part of who I am, I wouldn't have a trickle flowing from me. And I'm not saying I don't want to diminish what God's doing in my life. but who Those who believe in me, And he's not talking about just God being a feeling and a nice experience on a Sunday morning. And he's talking about a deep-centered positioning of our lives to say, I believe no matter. And I haven't walked through every valley of despair and, you know, place of where life can be crushing. And I know the older you get, it just, there, there are deep valleys to walk through. Don't want to minimize your, your valley and your own personal wrestle here. But I believe that this really is about believing and knowing Him as our primary source of, of well-being, emotional health, spiritual wholeness, our comforter, our friend, our leader, our healer. He is meant to be everything. He is, come on, he is the king. He is meant to be everything. He deserves that place. And if we're, you know, if we are interested in streams of living waters to come from our lives, we've got to ask ourselves, is Jesus 
my primary source for my spiritual and emotional health? Is he the ultimate source of my hope? Because, and I want to use the word emotions here, because emotions are important. Because hope is emotion, an emotion. Hope is an emotional investment in what has been promised to, to us. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things unseen. And I feel, and I, and I believe that the church is in such a battle and that people within the church are in, locked in such a battle with emotional health. And, and it's almost like, oh no, the church is spiritual health and Jesus does, just does spiritual. But he is actually the carer of our souls and the guardian of our hearts and the lover of our souls. He, he's more than just a ticket out of here into a heavenly realm. He's more than a, just a suck it up buttercup and grit it and white knuckle it and just fake it till you make it. He actually cares so much about who we are. And I love what Debbie said today, to turn our eyes upon Jesus, to not have double vision when it comes down to the well-being of who we are. And the problem is, is that when we magnify other things as the epicenter of our well-being and welfare, we actually trade out Jesus. We trade him out. We start believing in something else. And when we believe in something else, only unbelief can come in. And yet he says, if you believe in me, if you would invest your life and believe in me and give me your wholehearted wrestle of who the heck you are, if you believe in me, and Jesus, I was considering another massive statement that he made that is so confronting to us who love our families and, you know, in light of who we, we want to be, the family of God. And Jesus says this huge statement, and he's using hyperbole, hyperbola, hyperbole, was that a word as well? Hyperbole, hyperbolobo. That's the way I say it. It's a translation between English and tongues. Shabba. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Luke, um, <laughs> so, just made a really random Chebecca noise. Let's have a drink. He says this. I need to create some levity before this statement. Believe me, just hold on. Okay, hold on. Hold hands to the person next to you. Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, as well as his own life, he can't be my disciple. He's using hyperbole. He's not being literal, but he's creating this dramatic distinction between himself and every other living being that we would want to gravitate and suck and say, I need you, you need me, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. Uh, who am I? Who am I? Give me another distraction. Uh, he's like, no, you gotta, you got to like cut that sense of neediness away from those around you and, and draw your whole being out of me. And my disclaimer is this, is that we need each other. All right. Of course we need each other. 
we're called to be the body of Christ, to express the life and the love of Jesus through one another. But when it comes down to start needing one another for our emotional vacuums, that's when we've got to start asking the question. Jesus calls us to follow him primarily, not as token. So, how you doing? You good? Just feel like I might have said some kind of pretty intense stuff. I feel I feel passionate about this today, and I think it's it comes from my own wrestle, and it's kind of like you know you go through stuff, and you're like, I've got to find Jesus in this deep dark hole. So. I've got a couple of thoughts on how to release the flow of living waters. And I think I've said a few things, but let's just bring it into two thoughts. Number one, believe that Jesus wants to flow through you. And he doesn't want you just to trickle or to drip. This this broken world is crying out for people who carry real, true rivers of living water. It needs you. The world needs you. It needs you to believe that you are significant enough for for rivers to flow through. He says, whoever believes in me, Jesus doesn't discriminate. Just step out of your unbelief. Refocus on Jesus as your primary source. Um, Jesus, you know, he had to step out of towns to heal people because there were, there were, there was actually an atmosphere of unbelief in that region. He had to take, before he could minister who he truly was, he had to step away from unbelief. And I believe that there's some people here today who need to step away from who they are outside of Christ. You need to step away from unbelief and into the fullness of his power working within us. And that power needs to defy the unbelief. Like his power's bigger than unbelief. The, the second thought is this, and, and this comes from the, the, uh, an ancient scripture from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. It says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. So number two on how to release a flow of living water and a river. We've got to create this flow by choosing life. We have the choice we can choose life or death. And if our choices are just based on our feelings, then the only reference point we're going to have for what we choose is what we feel. And rivers of living waters aren't driven by emotion. They are, they are released through wise and godly counsel and choices and daily steps of discipline and perseverance. You know, I was just thinking about this in the context of Easter camp. Man, so many lives rocked and changed and transformed. You know, Mike Dodger was, has been leading that. Well, he's, he's more like a father figure there now. But, you know, when he started this, he didn't just feel like it and do it some years when he felt like it. He is just, he's set his hand to the plow. He's not looking back. And his life course, he's in his 60s now, is about let's get 3,000 young people to Easter camp and see their lives changed. He is, he is choosing life. And I just want to just put it out there for someone today. Maybe you've just been not choosing life. You've just been ruled by your emotions. And I get it. Emotions are turbulent and they're overwhelming. And if you are overwhelmed by your emotions, the first thing you need to do is put your hand up and say, I need help. 
And that could be what choosing life means for you today. Choose life. Choose life. Let's just stand right now. Choose life. Speak life. Choose life. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. As the Scripture says, believe in Him. Believe in Him. Jesus, let's just turn this moment into a prayer right now. Jesus. Jesus. We just... God, we want to... just be completely real with you in this moment. And we we just want to have the courage, maybe if this is for you, and I want to just step you through a prayer of like releasing um, unbelief. I want to step you into a moment of choosing life. And I want to just, I want to invite you to take, take part in this prayer. But I actually just want to, I want you to take part in it if you believe it. Are you someone today who who wants to follow Jesus with all your heart? Do you want to look in the mirror and say, man, that person is flipping awesome and there's a big plan and God loves that person and I have what it takes in Christ to release living waters. If you're that person, then let's pray this prayer together. Maybe just put your hand on your heart and just because it all starts kind of here. Oh, I just thank you, Jesus, you speak in the language of our hearts. And we give you our hearts today. And we we want to surrender every counterfeit source of life and well-being that we've been drawing from. We surrender people We surrender relationships and family and ourselves. We surrender everyone from us that we've been just needing stuff from to feel okay. And we just want to let those faces and voices fall away right now. In light of you, Jesus, in light of the cross, we just, and we surrender our need to be loved, to be seen, to be heard, to be, to be valuable. We surrender that to you. And we want to repent of using everything else, every other tool to be someone whether we've used gossip or slander or pride or just all that muck. We want to surrender that to you, Jesus, and we receive your cleansing from our sin and from our broken attempt at being whole and being loved, just having it together. We just surrender that to you, Jesus. 
And we just want to put our whole heart into your hands and just say, I believe. I want to believe. I want to believe in you as the scriptures say. I want to believe in who you say I am as the scriptures say. I want to believe that who the scriptures say you are. I want to believe. I don't want to muck around. I want to invest my life as a disciple of you, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we just receive right now. Oh, we just receive a fresh touch of your power, of your presence, of your grace. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, we thank you for your fire here today. If you're here this morning and you just need the fire of God just to burn away just the world, that the world would grow dim in light of His grace. If you're here, you just want the touch, just a touch of His fire. You're like, I actually, yes, this is speaking to me today. And I want to fully invest without excuses into pursuing His kingdom. You could be a mum, a grandma, a, a father, a business person, a young person. Everyone today, no matter what age or stage, must reconcile themselves with Jesus Christ and their, uh, give account for their walk as it is. And today, don't let your age or space stop you from having a humble heart before Him. If you're here today and you just need the fire of God to just burn away apathy, like He just, He, he loves us. He loves His people. And he's purifying his bride. If that's you today, I just would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. Just I want to get real with you, Jesus. Just in this moment, if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. We'd just love to see the Holy Spirit touch your life. You're welcome to come to the front. You're welcome to come to the altar. This is for the sake of rivers of living waters more Holy Spirit if you don't know Jesus today and you're like I just want to step closer to Jesus you're welcome to come to the front right now just come out of your seat 